Up there in the sky, it's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One rotting Robbie. One eerie Eric. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. Ha, 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 ha. Look at me. I am annoying. <laughs> I am annoying you now. <laughs> I am annoying you now. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Home for news reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. Episode two hundred and ninety-nine. It's spooky because it's Halloween mm-hmm. week. It is. It is Halloween. It is Halloween week, um, or Halloween. Halloween, as you would say, as, as those of us that are pressed for time call it. Oh God Almighty! I think it's getting this worse. This shit again? It's getting worse, Eric. I think it's really oh, is. I I keep pretending it's not there and it doesn't fix the problem. No, there, there I have multiple uh of these crisis events opening up in my office right now. Oh yeah, that come to mention it there are like a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um uh, uh, uh in here. Hands are reaching through in some of them. Mm. And I don't, I don't Yeah, I think I recognize some of the some of the faces through the through the things. Yeah, I don't there's a lot feels like our us our ta- our policy of ignoring it is not working. Oh, God. I certainly hope that in one episode something crazy is not going to happen with this crisis. One one solitary episode. I hope not. Next episode? Maybe the, Goodness. I, yeah, that would be the next episode. You're right. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I certainly hope that in one episode that Okay, okay, get it. Guys, okay. Stop, stop interrupting us. We're trying to have a podcast here about comic books. Oh, God. We're talking about Underwater Welder this week by Jeff Lee Meyer in Nerba Book Club. Um, I had I had totally forgot that it, it took place in Halloween week, too. <laughs> so that's... I, I was not aware of that, so this is the accidental halloween podcast yeah there's that's a nice it's a, ha- a happy coincidence uh mm-hmm. not necessarily i mean it's a spooky it, coincidence it's a spooky coincidence about this terribly melancholy book um it's not really a halloween book really i mean it's spooky though i'll say it that. says the word halloween a bunch though. it does say the so word halloween it so it, that you're if right. you read it while eating candy corn it's absolutely a halloween book i'm i've i'm on the record as being anti-candy corn but candy corn gets a bad rap i used to think it was disgusting and then i tried it after many years and i think like maybe they just manufactured it it was like mostly wax or something it just tastes like vanilla candy like that's just all it is is it's just like vanilla and sugar it tastes good i think i ate too much of it as a child and now i hate it you know um that was about to make a joke that's way too dark Okay, uh, so I will leave that to your imagination. We will just move carry on, on okay. bravely. Good, good idea. We can. Uh, we'll talk about that later, though. Underwater welder. We have our for a segment uh, to to get to uh, to start the show. 
I'm struggling with segues today. It is time for our first segment. It's time for Flabby's Fortnightly. Flabby's Fortnightly is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about a selection of this past couple weeks' books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. There's a mush mirror. It goes from one to five if we feel mushy about our feelings. Our first book of the week is the first of two uh, Batman universe-centered black label books. Uh, first one is Batman the Imposter, number one, or book one. I literally don't think there's a credits page in this comic book. I went through it multiple times, could not find it uh, there on the cover, though. And I will use my, I'll say, writer, Madsen Tomlin, artist, Andrea Sorrentino, colors, Jordi Belair. No idea who do the letters uh, or anything else, because I literally can't find a credits page in this book. Um, but this is a early years Batman story, as far as I can tell, centered around, I don't know, a Batman imposter, but also uh, uh, Leslie Tompkins and also like a detective. And there's a lot of, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this comic book, honestly, is my, is is my, the long and short of it. Mm-hmm. Do you like this, Eric? I will answer your question. Uh, the only way I, I uh, the way I know that you want all your questions answered. Okay. In the Simpsons quote. Oh, no. There's hardly any meat in these gym mats. <laughs> uh. so that's a, that's our spinoff podcast is we review Batman comics with <laughs> Simpsons quotes. <laughs> Or we yeah, we review everything with Simpsons quotes. Actually, I think that's actually a much there's there's there might be some meat in those gym mats. Uh, I I, if we're I believe so. Push that metaphor even further. Oh, it it'll, it'll never break down. It's obviously perfect. I, um, <laughs> this is f- fine. It's fine. Um, and I think kind of by the end it gets over for me like a little little bit. Um, but I. Immediately upon putting it down, I forget about it. I want to forget about it while I'm reading it. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm not. The only thing I like in it is Ratman. Yeah, that's the only, I, that's the only thing I like. Really, yeah, I think like everything else, um, just just kind of doesn't feel good to me. It just doesn't. But like Ratman, I'm like, yeah, this is this guy. Give me more. Give me more Ratman. Yeah, and I feel like he's gonna get he's gonna get bullied or killed by he's absolutely gonna by, die uh, by fake Batman. Batman's gonna die. There's no way he. Makes yeah, it I'm, to the end of the I'm, story. I'm I'm already broken up about it. It is it it if it's happened already, it's happened off the page. I don't remember seeing it confirmed. Uh, but no, don't bully Ratman. Um, he is my my special my special little boy. My I mean, precious son. Rat, there is uh, literally like the Suicide Squad movie, uh, the new one has his daughter in it, mm-hmm. um, and he is dead. Uh, <laughs> he's been killed, uh, not by some fake Batman. Um, I, I think this book, I'm largely, I'm largely ambivalent on it, which just basically means I'm negative yes. at this at a certain point because it doesn't really no. make me. You want to feel something. If, um, yes, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, it really is a good a good rule of thumb for anything. Like if people don't hate you or like you, you're nothing. No one cares. No one cares if you live or die. 
And that I, is how I feel about this this silly book. It it's fine. I don't need to see Bruce Wayne uh be threatened by his uh psychologist. His therapist. Yeah. Psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. I I Whatever. don't I I I don't care about that. Um I, I think it's also further exacerbated by the fact we read the Catwoman book directly after it, um, which feels more mature, I guess. It, it mm. feels more like there is parts of the story where I think it is a product of I've read a lot of Batman stories in my life. Yeah. And this the Catwoman story feels smarter about the decisions it's making about how it's looking at the character of Batman, even though Batman is not really in that Catwoman book. We'll be talking about that in just a few moments. But this book feels kind of naive, and it feels like it, one, has really weird relationship with the police, um, Mm -hmm. which I am, I think we are generally going to be more sensitive about um, after our Copaganda episode. Yeah. Um, Turns out Dogman is Copaganda. We've learned so much. Yeah, but it's it's there is like the the big turning point of this book in the realization how oh, Batman there's an imposter is that he killed a few he killed some criminals uh, who were let out of prison and they have a big meeting about it in the police station. There's a scene um, where they bringing any more people because they need to catch Batman now and there is one cop. They like they it feels like this is very like weirdly pointed like they had to have this scene because they have one cop who goes, well, maybe we should be like be thanking him because he killed the guys. And then then you have like the sergeant or the police chief or whoever he is. It's like, I don't want to hear it. That's not justice. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that guy don't exist. That guy's made up. There ain't no cop like that. (laughs) I mean, it's 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 very much the, uh, you know, like in the, the. The fiction that's about racism and how there's the good white person or the good white family mm-hmm. to make you know to make to make the reader identify with them and not feel bad. It's it's that kind of thing. Like oh, here's the good cop. We like him. Yeah, uh, Austin is. We're having a <laughs> we're voting on a big initiative about police funding uh, in, in in our in our election in a week. So. It's a lo- mm. There's a lot of news about it uh, going across my feeds, and so I'm very sensitive about it right now. And I think there's a, that's one issue I get when I'm reading this. The other one is uh, Dr. Tompkins bringing up this idea of Batman being crazy yeah, and, and how he could use his money to fight things and stuff like that. Like, And I always resent any comic book that try and batman is the worst of it batman is the worst because batman is just a rich guy who's trained himself to be the peak to be peak human and have all this technology to make himself a superhero and you batman was was invented in the 20s he is not equipped to handle questions about oh He's actually beating up people at nighttime. Like he's just beating up basically other insane people, people mentally ill people. You like or oh, he should just put his money towards charities and to like fight problems with his millions or billions of dollars, depending on whatever how you however rich Batman is at the time. Mm-hmm. You can't you you cannot look at the you cannot look that way. 
You have to ignore those questions. You cannot if and as soon as you put them on the page, they become a problem. Uh, maybe not for some people. For me, I find those questions really boring. I don't want to read about them in a Batman comic. Batman is not equipped to answer those questions. If you want to write a comic yeah. book about that stuff, it's not a Batman story anymore. It no, it's. Um, I think it's 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 very much true. I mean, it's a thing we've said a couple of times at this point that um, it, it's just it, it's a little bit beyond superhero fiction. It's a little bit. It's a little bit too big for it, and it's it is this thing, um, it, like it makes me think of um, the Lindsay Ellis essay on uh, Beauty and the Beast, like the new live action remake, and how she criticized the the that movie for listening too intently to internet criticism and navel gazing about the perceived problematic stuff that is in like a property or something and then directly addressing it um and how it just doesn't work and it misses what's actually good about it um yeah this is it's very much like not really answering that question of like what if batman actually addressed systemic issues in a meaningful way and it all, I don't know, just to brush it off and to go back to whatever, you're not really addressing it in a smart or a, a smart or thoughtful way. And you're doing it with the fucking Muppet babies, basically. It doesn't, <laughs> it, it does like the, the, it can't support the weight. It doesn't make sense to do it. No. Have, um, have a, a, a story where Batman has to figure out what the Riddler's doing. Don't have Batman have to sit down with a psychologist every day and talk about how he's not crazy. Like, yeah. why, like this, he's not, this is not Watchmen. It, you can't do this. Um, mm. I will, like, I, I will throw in, uh, I, I like Andrew Sorrentino. I like the work. I think the book looks good. Um, but, Again, this, but the, I think it's like a flawed premise, and I think it really, it really signs a light on it when we're about to discuss a, a Catwoman book that I like a lot more. So I'm gonna do not buy. Um, yeah, I don't need it in my life, and I will immediately forget about it forever. But don't buy it. <laughs> Double do not buy Batman the Imposter. Number one. Next up is Catwoman, Lonely City. Number one, written, drawn, colored, and lettered by Cliff Chang. Uh, another black label book has a credits page has a credits page right up front easy to find you know who did it even though it's mostly it's almost all cliff chang except for the variant cover which is jock uh i'm a big cliff chang fan um uh and- dude's dude's good um made me remember how much i liked uh uh paper girls yeah paper girls is great um this there was this book is smart in all the ways that the Batman book is not it by it. One, it doesn't directly address. It's about Catwoman. Mm. This book is about Catwoman, an older Catwoman get released from prison. Uh, another ult- this alternate future book. Um, Batman has died and we don't know really why or how until it's revealed slowly through the book. Um, and certainly it talks about some some of the issues around that surround like you know like they the, the we, we have Harvey Dent as uh, the mayor and him trying to control the city and there's no masks and all that stuff but the book shows you that it doesn't tell you it 
it has Catwoman navigating this new society where she is. And she's old. And she can't do the same thing she's doing. And Barbara is running uh, against Harvey Dent. And there's interesting relationships. And not there's not 10,000 words on every page. Mm-hmm. It lets the also Killer Croc got fat, and I think that's fantastic. It's so good. I cannot. You're right. I cannot. We little roly poly face Killer Croc. He's adorable. And he's I a, love him. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I got concussions. I can't. The doc said I can't do stuff anymore. You know, I'm I got, not too thinky anymore. I got to. Yeah, yeah. Croc got Croc a bunch was, of stingers. Croc was always known for his his intelligence, but he's like, yeah, I can't stand for too long anymore. I bounce sometimes, but I can't. My knees. <laughs> it is a little cap. Uh, I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that the Batman universe can. I mean, it can. I think it can support the weight of the motifs of everyone's getting older. Yes, like that is. That is. That is not. That is not too big or too deep or too philosophical. I mean, it is. It can be a, a a big and deep and philosophical question, but it's not something. Um, hmm. Yeah, it, it's 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 not it's not those other questions. Apologize to Waylon, okay? Don't hurt Waylon's feelings. He has feelings. He's a sure he's Waylon, a croc. Waylon, Waylon Smithers. Waylon the crocodile man. Waylon the croc. That's that that's Croc's name. Waylon is Croc's name. Yeah. Is is he, he's that's also Waylon Smithers? His, he's not Waylon Smithers. He's just he's Waylon something. I forget his last name. Um, old penguin crocodile. Yeah, he's Waylon crocodile. I mean, yeah. It it is and, and like all great stories, not just comic book stories. But hey, if you want to talk about something, you don't talk about it. You have a character talk about it. You have characters explore problems created by status quos, and that is what this book does. Um, no, you just have them say it. <laughs> just have big. You have big splash pages with a bat flying at you, and just like a thousand narrative. Uh, uh, yes. Narrative uh, squ- rectangles like uh, Jesus rah, 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 rah. You don't have like a quiet, solemn scene with Catwoman, you know, leaving roses for the the Waynes, and apparently Dick Grayson as well. Poor Dick, uh, didn't make Everybody it. Everybody ate it. Yeah, this this is not a good future we're in. Um, but it's very affecting. It's very effective. I am really I'm, I'm on board with this book. It's really good. It looks great. It's well written. Um, by Barbara it. looks good with short hair. It does. Um, there's there's not a lot bad to be said about this. This is this is damn solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy double buy, Catwoman, Lonely City. Next up, we're going to for to Marvel for a book. It is Phoenix Song Echo number one, written by Rebecca Roanhorse, artist Luca Moresco, colors Carlos Lopez, letters Ariana Maurer. Can I can I can I lead off on this one? I sure, have, go I ahead. Have. Ooh, oh God. Um so I don't I never forced you to read it. Um Forced me to read it. And I I huh? Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was wondering if you were gonna guess what I was gonna talk about. No, I have no idea. I I I, I feel less bad um shitting on her uh on the podcast now. I know. I think I kind of held, kept my opinions on the book private, um, because she worked with people that I know and and like and respect. 
Uh, so I just w- didn't want to say anything about it. But since she, you know, posted some goofy turf shit on Twitter, I will shit on Margaret Atwood. Um, uh, she wrote Angel Catbird, which is terrible, absolutely horrid, and it has a similar problem uh, to this book, which is why I bring it up. It is someone who has never really read comics, and that is what I'm assuming about uh, Rowan Horse. Um, she is a novelist, lo- lo- by yes, trade. Looks like looks like she primarily has written, you know, novels, whatever for screen, possibly that sort of thing, and doesn't know shit, doesn't know dicky do about motherfucking comics, and has no respect for anyone that reads comics, and writes this insulting '90s trash, a- Angel Catbird read like a bad Steve Ditko comic from the fucking 60s or something this reads like a heap of shit from the 90s it is cringe as hell I I just as, just when I feel like I start to enjoy it a little bit it goes back to being just absolute cringe it 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 makes me angry that I had to waste my goddamn time reading this it's so frustrating <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I like that, Eric. I appreciate. You. I appreciate you taking good. the lead. Uh, I don't know if I don't like this. I don't. I'm, this is not good. I will. I will emphasize that. I. This is not good. Um, it is very. It, it's crazy to me because you have a, a Native American woman writing a Native American character and visiting a, a reservation. Like there's and like it yet. It feels so incredibly generic. It mm. feels so bland, and it feels like. Well, I like, mean, what do you? What kind of story do you think you're going to get? I mean, th- it absolutely feels like I have never read a comic book. I have not read one since maybe I picked up Spawn number six, <laughs> fucking thirty years ago, <laughs> and I don't care about people that read comics. I don't connect with them. So obviously they'll like this. I'm good at writing word. Here's a here here's a let me just copy an episode of a CW show from 2008. <laughs> That's people that read comics just shit themselves and cry, right? Oh, you have an IQ of 87. I don't I don't I don't I don't know if I would uh, necessarily I don't think she necessarily I'm thinks I'm leaning into it a little too much, but this is still this is still pretty fucking insulting. I I don't. All I get is it, it's it, if you have a like pretend it's an episode of The Simpsons, then you'll fucking hate it. Well, to be fair, I read this in five minutes. An episode of The Simpsons takes me twenty minutes, and then I have to you know cut clips from it and then compile notes. Blah blah blah. Um, it's it doesn't mm, like. I used to think Echo was a really neat character back when Bendis put her in the New Avengers for the very first time. I thought that mm. she was an interesting character then, uh, and that says something. When I'm, I am, I guess I was more pro Bendis back then. Nowadays, I'm much, <laughs> much more anti Bendis. No, but, please go on a forty minute rant about I how mean, how Bendis makes people talk. He does do. He, I mean, Bendis wrote 
I, I bet his dialogue is about 10,000 times better than any dialogue in this comic book. I'll say that about Bendis. When he's really trying, his dialogue is great. Um, and he's written great comic books. And Bendis loves comic books. There's no way you, there's no argument about that, okay? He, maybe he makes some boring work or empty comics from time to time, mm-hmm. but he still loves them. Um, the Phoenix Force, Echo, both these things are interesting to me individually. Yeah. This book manages to make a lot of things that could be really interesting, makes them very bland, makes them very boring, makes them very generic, and it puts it like it lumps it all into this very stayed and worn out chosen one trope. Oh, the Phoenix Horse mm-hmm. chose you because you were something is coming. I'm like, I've this story has hit me over the head, and I don't know. I, I, this. There's a part of me that goes, oh, this is like that Aquaman book that had uh, Leo Rush as the main character, um, where it's like, oh, this, that was be- that was better than this. That was sure. better than this. That had that 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 book popped me a couple times, but yep. it there's a part of me that goes, well, I'm sure there's like there's some Native American kid who is reading a comic book for the first time and sees this and sees oh sees themselves on the page. That's great. I have some thoughts about this, okay. about what you're saying. Okay, they fucking deserve better. <laughs> That's true. I can't argue. That... I mean, if their if their if their choice is this comic and genocide, I'll give them this comic. But they fucking deserve better. Like that. This is. And I and I'll... this is this is just this is just shamefully corny. And I I would love to love this character and this premise and everything. But yes, it's just so it's so just bereft of anything Mm -hmm. i you know it's it's hard for me to say it's bereft of effort but like it feels like it there's really no effort to understand the character on any deep level no i think really marvel needs to stop hiring these fucking novelists that don't know comics to write stuff the only one who's got it right was ta-nehisi coates and he stopped getting it right after that first run of of Black Panther. I mean, um, I mean, there was that time. He, I mean, he did write Star, Black Panther Star Wars, though, Eric. That was not good. <laughs> that was not good. It's better than this. It was better than this. It uh, was better than this. I mean, the art, I think, looks... It, I think the art, it looks competent. And I'm not going to... I, I don't want to... Looks, it looks a little 90s-rific. It does. It look, does suits look... Suits it. It does look like that. But I'm not going to... Not going to fault the artist for what... I would no. I that's not their fault. Um, but I, I won't fault. I won't even fault the 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 writer. I mean, I I just feel like they've not done their homework enough. And like, who is this for? If not comic book fans, you're not connecting with anyone. You're not doing anything I, good or pushing, I, the, I pushing the fucking. Envelope we can probably talk about it twenty minutes about the marketing and marketing decisions of Marvel and why they hire these novelists to write stuff. I'm not sure if it will get us anywhere. I'm a do not buy. Don't buy this comic book. Yeah, absolutely do not buy it. Uh double do not buy Phoenix Song Echo number one next up. The first of two Scott Snyder books. Why got why do you do this shit to me? Because I love you. I mean, you don't have to hurt the ones that you love. It's not, like, required. But I like it. You know, consent, buddy. <laughs> you consent? I mean, I feel obligated to keep doing the podcast. <laughs> not to be abused by fucking Scott Snyder. Oh, come on. Uh, our first Scott Snyder book is Clear, co-created by Snyder and Francis Monopole. 
uh, with it's written by Scott Snyder, art and colors, Francis Manipal, letters and world design. This is one of the two comicsology originals by Scott Snyder we're reading this week. Um, I think my safe word is going to be Scott Snyder. Oh no, that's dangerous. You can't, you don't do that. Uh, um, I, I'm going to say, okay, Francis Manipal is great. I'm going to say that. I love Francis Manipal. Beautiful. Art, beautiful. Art is gorgeous in all, every, basically everything he works on. Yeah. Amazing looking. Um, love looking at this book. Yeah. Very pretty. And I understand, I don't know. There's a certain part of me that goes, oh, well, the premise works well for the artist because they get to mix and match themes and styles and they get to color, you know, they do cartoons, weird cartoonish stuff and Westerns and, um, but I find this premise laughable. I, I I cannot take it seriously. It and it, the problem is the book takes it very seriously. Scott Snyder takes everything he does very seriously. Like if the, uh, if this was goofier, like if it took the premise and made it a little bit goofier and a little bit more tongue in cheek, I'd probably be totally down for it. But this is like what? so serious. Help, help, help me dissect this. I'll try this pile of pig slop a little bit here. I'll, I'll try so. We have uh, Detective Noir, um, Detective Batman, Sam Spade. Shit, his name is Detective Batman. He looks like Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's he is very much uh, a Batman analog. I think his design is pretty fucking awesome with the uh, the little weird helmet and the suit and stuff and the motorcycle jacket. Like that's kind of cool and all. Um, so we're talking weird. Twenty fifty two is the is yeah the... weird weird future world. Um, oh God, um, what is the Vales. fucking writer? Well, I was gonna say yeah, but I'm trying to think of the the dystopian future, and I can't think of the oh, Blade writer Runner? or the book right now. Blade no, Runner. I mean, Blade, Blade Runner works. It has a very uh, cyberpunk Blade Runner aesthetic, but I'm thinking of Brave New World. Ah, okay. Um, that they're like I don't know everyone is like escapism, the the veils are like it's I don't know it's like hollow deck shit. It, they can it, put like AR over the world. Yeah, that's all it is. And and live live whatever fantasy they want. Yeah. Yes, I guess. And and then at the end we get uh, notice of the no, like we someone that he knows is murdered. And then plot ticket arrives, which I thought was actually relatively compelling. Um, but I also immediately just like, all right, this book is done. I want to forget about it. I don't care. Like it's just even even with even as far as the incredibly genre tropey femme fatale shows up in your office scene. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no spin on anything there's nothing that i care about there's just words 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 look at all these fucking words lots of it um, lots of talking I mean, yeah um, about about fucking nothing um i mean there's lots of pseudo deep things about how we're the, yeah. we're living in a terrible blah blah, blah and everyone escaping blah, blah blah yeah and they have this they look at the world with a veil and and i'm like i, I okay but what, what, like, this is the special, other than if you take away that, if you take away the veil thing, what is this story? 
It is a murder mystery. It is detect. Mm-hmm. It is detective noir murder mystery. The veil is in a world that is in a world that is not uh, significantly different from the world that we fucking live in, or worlds that we've seen a whole bunch. Yeah, the, the, the ideas are are not fun or that interesting. There's not anything. This I cannot remember this guy's name. I have no idea who this character. I I I mean, I read this book not less less than twelve hours ago. Sam Stinkbutt. Yeah, I don't. I don't. He looks like Bruce Wayne. I just immediately was like, oh, he looks like Batman. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't. Why? Why am I? Why? Why do I attach myself to him? Why do I? Sam Dunes. I'm looking at his card. I look at a card with his name on it. Finally, Sam Dunes. Um, is this supposed to be like, like Sam Dunes? Dunes? Is- <laughs> That's very clever. Oh my god, that makes me hate it more. Um, of course it does. This well, is- fucking of course it does. So like, uh, like okay, Scott Snyder's like, hey, hey, Francis Manipal. All my books sell like hotcakes. Uh, do you want to do a book with me? You get to draw a lot of cool stuff because the book yeah. has a lot of this weird AR stuff going on, um, which I guess is like I don't know how it I don't know how it works. I don't know why it matters really in this world. Like if it's, if everyone like how let me ask you a question, Eric. Right. If you are a person, they use this as an example in, in the book. If you are a person who's decided your veil is that everyone is a zombie, <laughs> how do you live your life? Like I, I want, I want to go to the store and buy a soda. Like, does the person behind the counter do they talk like a zombie? Do they go, or do their normal voices come out? When you want to have sex with someone, do they look like a zombie? I mean, yes. The game, the, the gamer bros that use that, they they're not having sex with anyone. Fair enough. I it's just very much like oh, all these. This is a paper thin premise. Of this veil stuff, and then they mention these black veils, like they're, they're black market AR. Like, what can they possibly do? Do they like alter your DNA or something? Like, well, I it's so silly. And in like this book is like, oh, black market veils. I gotta. I, <laughs> I, I saw the. I saw the handoff, <laughs> but that's probably why I didn't. I didn't see the guy from coming from behind me. And then I'm like, I don't like. What is this? What is this, Scott Snyder? Francis Manipal, your book's beautiful. I can't with this though. It is just so so self serious. I do not buy this. I, I mean, it's a comicsology original. I, we got this for free technically with our five dollars mm. a month, but whatever. I, I'm a do not read this. If that makes it clear, do not buy. Do not read. This is not worth your money. Where you're talking. I don't, it's worth looking at, but yeah. that's about it. I guess if it's free, if you already have Comics Zone Unlimited, flip through it. Look at Francis Manipal's beautiful art. You know, where's the special edition that takes the words off the fucking pages? <laughs> I, that's what, hey, Comicsology, you're still listening? Yeah. I know you probably paid Scott Snyder, Amazon probably paid Scott Snyder a, a hefty amount of money to do some original comics for them, but I'm more interested if you just get Man- Francis Manipal to draw some, like a nice sketchbook for me for free. That's fair. Have Manipal draw some fucking crazy cyberpunk shit. Be awesome. Yeah. Uh, are you're a, are you are, do you concur, Eric, with me? Um, throw this in the garbage. Print it out. Throw it in the trash. It's a black veil dealer. One of the worst. Yep. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Where's the veil that I can get that 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 makes it as if Scott Snyder doesn't exist? 
That's a very specific. That's a very that's a that's a black veil. Yeah, well, I mean, in his world, of course it is. Um, that's a double do not buy clear number one. Our last book of the week is Night of the Ghoul, episode one, uh, written by Scott Snyder, art and colors, Francesco Francavia, letters and world design, once again. It's so spooky. It's a spooky night. Here, I'll say all right off the bat again. Uh, Francisco Francavia, fucking incredible he's, artist. He's, he's going for those AAA tier uh, artists. Mm-hmm. Is like make my words look good. I mean, uh, yeah, Frankie Villa does not draw a lot of comics anymore. Um, yeah, and to to do a uh, a horror book, um, I'm always what you want out of uh, Frankie Villa. Yes, I, I'm. I I'm more interested in this one. I guess more than the, I mean the other two are literally nothing aside from like yeah. looking at the art. So this is. I I think this I I don't know how much of it is just it's naturally kind of very campy and it so it doesn't feel as serious. I think there's a part of it that maybe it's just Frank Vivian's art is so I don't know garish. It is so in, it indulges in that movie monster, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff from like the it, like this movie is that that takes over the book at times is set in the 40 is from the 40s, so it feels kind of yeah corny in a good way but it kind of it, it kind of does seem like it's make he's interpreting it and kind of turning it into a fiction story uh that kind of is about those horror movie tropes and things and like it makes it tongue-in-cheek and maybe it makes it smarter that way you know yes um there like it's very hammy because like the fucking dying guy he doesn't just look like a sick old man he looks like he's he melting. looks like well, he looks like Meatwad <laughs> from uh, fucking uh, Aqua Teens. You know, it looks like he's got pieces of corn uh, in his in his fucking skin. He now, looks disgusting. Oh yeah, Skeet and the others in this place. I got. I can't do a Meatwad voice That's anymore. That's a terrible Meatwad. I, I, voice. I to be fair, I haven't watched Aqua Teen in years. You're already doing. You're you're doing. That's great, Eric. You're, you're, I can't help that I'm fucking amazing. You are okay? a comedy. You are a comedy genius. I, I should say it's, it's very much. It's established. True. Yeah, I, I, think, I mean, many people, many people say that about me. I, I think this is the this is one where I go, I will. This is one I will read the next issue of because yes. it is free. Okay. <laughs> 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 I can't disagree with your reasoning. Oh God! <laughs> it's it's uh, the next <laughs> the next issue of this will be, is effectively free because I'm a member of Comics <laughs> Comicsology Unlimited. I will read the next one and see how it goes. There is less of this Scott Snyder of look how important this story is. It this is just a it almost like a, it feels like a Tales from the Crypt. It feels EC Comics mm. influence. A lot of that is Frank Avila doing incredible work. That's fine. I'm, also, Meatwad guy looks like the Crypt Keeper. Also, he, he's, he's Crypt Keeper Meatwad. Crypt Keeper Meatwad. I I mm-hmm. I find I love the idea of lost artifacts of new media, lost artifacts of like film and music, it's like of the 20th century becoming mm-hmm. haunted. I've written stories like this. I find these those endlessly fascinating. Um, 
I think this has more potential. I I, I will. I still have he- hesitancy because it has that like Scott Satter need to be taken seriously. I I don't think there's anything wrong with like that and like you know trumping your your creation up as something important, but there's just something about the way that he does it that like I can't I I. It's right there. It's so obvious, and it like I it just makes my eyeballs hurt because I'm rolling them so hard. Yeah, I I, I don't know. There, it's just like I I feel like just let the genre fiction speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a cautious buy, maybe a mush of one. Mm. I think that's where I stand. I agree with uh, just about everything that you've laid out there, but I don't want to read more of this. <laughs> I I could not find enough in here um, to find it interesting. Like, I kind of do want to read a bunch of this guy's lines in the Meatwad voice. Um, no, this film is about a goo. <laughs> Nothing more. And now you're a part of it all, too. Well, there we go. You're kind of going uh, a little bit of uh, Squidbillies. Sorry. I I haven't heard Meatwad um, in many, many years. No, I haven't either. So if, I, if, I'm, if I'm straying too much, I'm going off of, like, fucking 14-year-old <laughs> memories of, of what Meatwad sounds like. Um, this is not a book for me. Um, I think if something is going to be in the horror genre and really get my get get my dollar get my eyeballs get my attention it's gotta have a little bit more meat on the bones than this i'm i am not pleased i do not want more of this <laughs> I in am my not, life i am not pleased yes that's a decision on night of the ghoul number one with mush meter one that's it for floppies this week, we can move on to our next segment. It is time. All right, we get it. Lord. It, okay. Dude, you're doubling up again. Two in a row? This is trash. I think I feel like it's taunting us, Eric. I guess so. Okay. Probably can't hold it off we for can move longer. On. Yeah, it's probably one more episode away. Probably just one more episode, yeah. yeah it's probably next episode. All right, it's time for our next segment. It is time. Okay. Oh my god. I'm never gonna we gotta segue dude. Come on, man. I know you're a crisis event and everything. We gotta get to the next segment and I need a segue to do that. Okay, so please. Alright, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna Okay, time for the next segment, it's time for second. Alright, it got us there. I had to really sneak it in. I there. had to sneak it in. Micro machines it up. Um <laughs> Checking in is the part show where Eric and I talk about, uh, you know, whatever we want to talk about, make recommendations for games we played or videos, YouTube channels, movies, TV shows, books, whatever. Eric, what's going on? I'm recording this podcast inside a haunted house. Oh, uh, be careful. I, I literally, I literally am. Um, we had the first of our uh, Halloween events here at the studios. Where uh, mo- I would say mostly I did contribute, but I have been very busy and not able to really add much to it. But mostly my studio mates um, have turned the studios into a haunted house 
it's been it was pretty neat. It was um, Saturday was the the first day, and it was our normal uh, art walk party thing. And there will be two more events. So yes, I'm all alone recording in a haunted house. Um, Did you get Zach Baggins in there? Zach Baggins is that a an extreme hobbit? <laughs> no, he's a ghost hunter. I don't know nothing about that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that is that is not the trash TV I watch. My friend. It is. It is. Well, you were one hundred percent correct that it is trash. But I mean, it's a fucking ghost hunter. Yeah. Of course, it's garbage. He like uh, he like it, it. That shit is the noted, always the noted, worst. He also has a haunted museum in Las Vegas that you can spend a lot of money to attend. Oh, okay. Is that is that what? Yes, it is. Is that what our friend Mister Steinberg went it, to? He did indeed. Yep. With the gimmick chair, whatever in the fuck he called it. <laughs> no, the Dybbuk box is the name of okay. the, the. It don't. Jiminy Christmas. Don't touch it, Eric. You'll you literally it will literally destroy your life. Is what Zach Baggins says that happened. Oh no! I I I. I'm sorry. Please continue with your story. Yeah, I, there's no more story to tell. Okay. I just am gonna go. I'm just gonna go drive my car off a bridge now. <laughs> um, no, I was just. I I mean, you know. Same stuff of talking about and plugging the studios here. Fun event, good times. Um, yeah, haunted house. Come, come check it out. It's actually pretty neat. I will talk about it real briefly because it is like it's kind of like a haunted museum, a haunted art museum. You know, to sales pitch it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we did like kind of creepy haunted versions of all kinds of works of art and stuff. So it was neat. It's a neat concept. I think my favorite room my friend John did where he made a bunch of um, weird floaty cubist ghost things. It's really fun. Um, I wanted to talk about two YouTubers Mm. that I've discovered recently uh, that I really, really like. Um, I have sent you personally, Robbie, Mm -hmm. a couple of videos uh, from uh, Feek the Signifier or FD Signifier is the name of the channel. Um, uh, I, I think he is... Let me try and think about it here. You're familiar with the term left tube or bread tube or that sort of thing? I mean, from you, yes. Do, do I have to... Should I explain it? Is this not... It feels weird to explain it to me because I feel like it should be super common knowledge. It is not. It, absolutely it is not. not I guess it absolutely, it is absolutely is not, not common, common knowledge. knowledge. Which is just so odd to me. Um, But it is sort of something, a circle that people have drawn around uh, express, uh, essentially leftist created content on YouTube. A lot of video essays, like the aforementioned uh, Lindsay Ellis was kind of one of the sort of proto left tubers. Um, and another pivotal figure were, were people like um, ContraPoints and uh, well, uh, Philosophy Tube, H-Bomber guy. I think all of these people have had really massive um, online presences, but I think like sort of the nature of things on the internet, you know, Robbie has not heard of any of these people, but he is intimately familiar with uh, Mr. Sausage. Um, I mean, I know of just them. the fra- the fractal nature of all. Of I know these of things. Lindsay Ellis. I know of like of uh, I knew of her I mean, H- well before that, but I didn't know a lot of these other people. I think it's very easy 
uh, with the internet being so siloed off, you can even be aware of a person, but not even aware of like a cultural kind of grouping. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it is contested very much so. Of course it um, is. Because none of them, like, they all set out to make similar content and the the algorithm has uh, the the YouTube algorithm has rewarded it and brought eyes to it uh sort of seeing it as a sort of new emerging genre um but kind of two voices um that have recently gotten a boost in popularity um the first is the you know I said it before FD signifier and the second is uh, CJ the X. CJ the X's uh, channel is only about six months old, maybe more like eight or nine. I'm not sure. Um, and FD Signifier is a little bit older than that. They're both, I would say, probably got started in um, you know 2020 ish. Maybe maybe CJ the X was uh, earlier in 2021. Um, but I felt like kind of, the the thing about um, sort of left tube as a proposition is almost all of the audience is uh like a lot of white college kids and and you know it, it is it is an overwhelmingly white audience. Um, so the creators tend to that they lift up tend to be white folks. Um, and I found uh, FT signifier as a he's a he is a black man. He talks about things from a I would say a pretty significantly leftist point of view. Um, and to get his thoughts on things and to get his criticism, it's been a voice that I've kind of been looking for. Um, there's a creator that I found months and months before who goes by T1J or the one janitor and did not care for the things that he said. He, I don't know, came out in support of people like, um, Sam Harris and stuff. So I, had to not listen to his opinions. FD had more interesting and relevant things to say in terms of societal critique and just as a very, very smart essayist in general. Um, what was the thing that I sent you? It was um it was about the the quote unquote impossible the impossible man or the impossible white man trope. Yes, that was in the, that action was, movies. That was the first one I watched, which was very good. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think because it does. He did seem to push it all the way back to um, Die Hard, and I, I as soon as I saw him talking about Die Hard, I'm like, you know who would like this? Robbie, mm-hmm. big Die Hard mark. Um, I do like Die Hard. I mean, it is it is good. I think I I enjoy discourse about Die Hard more than I like Die Hard. Um, but it was the sort of idea that here's this guy that has no reason to be a badass, and yet here he is killing everyone he is a singular um force of nature you know like why is this guy like this Mm -hmm. um and all of his essays are really thoughtful and just about every piece of content i've listened to i think is really really good um similarly to uh well i mean he he himself uh, in one of his videos did a recommendation about cj the x i think it was about the video that he did about uh, Ariana Grande's character and whatever silly old Nickelodeon show she was in. I cannot be bothered to remember the name of it. Um, but my God, 
um, CJ the Axe might be becoming very quickly my favorite YouTuber. He just has this really incredible, just like wild gremlin on coke uh, energy to him. You know, like his 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 delivery is is so energetic, and he's a very smart dude. Like it's really really fun to like watch him perform these these crazy essays and things. Um, but the, the the like the breakdown of like the weird depth that was put into Ariana Grande's absolutely the character that they put absolutely no thought into. And Ariana Grande put apparently an incredible amount of thought into the character uh, and did so much with a terribly written character. It's pretty remarkable, you know, whether or not any of this is really true. Um, you know, it remains to be seen, but his case for it is really incredible. I have watched every one of his videos at this point. They're all extremely good content. There is one that I have not watched about WandaVision because I don't particularly want the spoilers, but I'm sure it is very thoughtful. Um, he did an essay on why No Face from Spirited Away is an incel. <laughs> it's a banger. Um, my, I think my favorite one still is the one where he talks about uh, Bo Burnham um, and kind of digs down deep into the song that Bo did on Jeff Bezos, and then kind of uses uh, the career um, and the various things that Bo Burnham has put out into the universe, and you know, like with his uh, interviews and these things like that, to talk about the weird trajectory that technology has us all on. And it's a lot of things that I have bitched about for years. You have heard, I mean, he he literally says. You know how people say privacy? You've heard me say mass surveillance mm -hmm. and how we need to start framing it as mass surveillance instead of privacy. That motherfucker said uh, mass surveillance, and I'm like, all right. I, I love you forever now. <laughs> um, but he says a lot of really interesting and really quite smart things. I've uh, And he's very young, like 23 or 24 or something. Um, I also keep saying he believe that they're gender fluid i don't remember ever seeing uh pronouns listed anywhere i have no idea so if i've been using the wrong what's it you'll have to forgive me um but good god channels really good um both channels are excellent that was fd signifier and cj the x cj the x is a um, he they so i think you're you're in the clear okay okay they have a very masculine energy, um, and I, 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 I don't know. Feels more correct to say he. So I'm glad that I'm not just being an asshole. Um, CJ the X, and I've I've watched the uh, also watched the Kanye FD signifier video or the two videos two. that are that there's are two now. Yeah, I watched both of them. They're like two hours long combined, but. They're still very good and gave me a lot of the uh, yeah. nuance about Kanye that I didn't have before, uh, which I appreciate. Um, the yes, specifically the first one, because I had a friend. Um, I mean, I, I I assume we are still friends, but <laughs> he has been notoriously hard to get in touch with, and you know I have not spoken to him since long before the pandemic. Um, and he's, you know, whatever. This is not me calling him out. 
uh, he he has his reasons for withdrawing, and I respect it. But he always talked about how much he missed old Kanye and and that sort of thing. And his case for why Kanye was so important uh, to black men like himself. Uh, but by that I mean not men who are also black, but you know whatever thing he is looking for were also like him, you know, um, how important Kanye was in his life and the lives of many others and why he was so popular. Um, and just the strange fucking journey that Kanye has been on. Um, what a, what a poor, bizarre man he is. And it's really fascinating. What a amazing and flawed and massive talent Kanye is like way more than I ever thought. Um, I think I, and I'm go ahead. I was going to say that I think it, that would not be, I, I would not be, be able to watch two hours of it unless FD was as, uh, so thoughtful. And so, yes, uh, he is, so, he is, um, he is remarkably thoughtful about his essay writing. Also it's, but he's, a, he, I, I like it. I think that first video, uh, that, uh, the, uh, impossible man video like that was the first video he like was in front of the camera for apparently that's well, that's why i get impression i get from that video where he's talking about yeah. like this is the first he probably time. he probably said as much yeah and i'm like um, he's like a natural he's seems really yeah. good at being in front of the camera yeah. so i don't i mean I, I i can understand that it could be probably uh intimidating if you're not you've never done that before but i he's really good at it he's mm. i think it's probably his writing is good so good that it carries a lot of uh you know, carries it a lot. You know, if you're, if you he's, have really good writing, you can, if you're in, he has a good delivery and all that stuff. So, yes, he's just a very smart guy. I mean, they're both, they're both fucking brilliant. Um, I, I appreciate and have loved, uh, nearly everything, uh, that I've seen from either one of them. Um, uh, FD signifier is also a big wrestling fan, which I think it was the kind of the, Yes, the hook. The Kanye I, video also works on me because it relies a yeah. lot on wrestling tropes. I mean, and it it, it really does work because the idea that um, hip hop of that era, which I think he was talking about, like maybe the the aughts or something. Um, I mean, that that seems about right, um, or maybe even earlier, like late nineties or something like that. I'm not even really sure because he he was he started out talking about like NWA and stuff. Uh, but the idea was it was a quote-unquote kayfabe because it was all of these guys like pretending to be big, tough guys or whatever. Uh, and here's Kanye, like I'm a sensitive little weird artist guy and here's this weird stuff that I'm making. Um, and it's not, it's a different kind of, a different kind of way of performing masculinity. Um, but the 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 metaphor he uses of it being kayfabe and the, the wrestling metaphor throughout it, like it works really well. You know, he talks about like, well now Kanye turns heel here and he starts acting like this and he kind of does a little fake uh, face turn back. And now he's just heel again. He does whatever he wants. And it's, it's really interesting and really fascinating. And it, it's a, it works really well as a metaphor. Hey Eric. What's up? What's up, buddy? You have to say it louder for the people in the back. I I played a video game. Okay, it's a spooky. I game. I knew you were gonna say that. I know it's a spooky game. It's perfect for Halloween. Is it spooky? It's spooky. 
Uh, even 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 that that I keep doing is a fucking it's a left tube reference. I'm sorry. Over my head. Whoosh. I uh, mean it's fine. Uh the game is called Someone <laughs> said someone said spooky in that weird voice one time. Yeah. Uh the game... I, I liked the way that it sounded. <laughs> the game I played is called Inscription. Inscription spelled with a Y. I N S C R Y P T I O N. Um it is made by the same person who made Pony Island, which I checked in with years ago. Pony Island is the name of a different game that is barely a, I it's like a puzzle game in that it is but it is it Pony Island is I, I and they belong to sort of a similar genre that this guy basically invented which I call like, I absolutely don't remember you ever checking in with this. I, this ab- is so weird to me. I absolutely checked in with Pony Island, but inscription oh, is I I believe you. Um but it's made by the same guy. Inscription feels like the natural evolution of Pony Island. Inscription is like Pony Island is a haunted video game. Mm. It is a possessed video game. There's it's an evil game. You are trapped. You are playing an evil game, and it, there is, uh, it, 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 and then like there's elements of it in like games like Undertale or games like yeah, um, meta video. Games. Yeah, there's like meta elements where you're like there's you're playing with what was the what was the buddy game buddy simulator also like yeah. also sort of like that um inscription is better than all those games probably not undertale but better than pony island better than buddy simulator um i'm gonna say don't 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 uh, i mean i undertale fans will come for i you. understand that's why i'm not making a stand stand tall and be like Undertale and BTS is garbage. I th- You're I, fucking canceled. I can, I'll say that in, I like Inscription better than Undertale, but that doesn't mean that's I don't know. Better doesn't mean anything. I like it more because it's it appeals to my sense my horror sensibilities more than Undertale does. Mm. Uh, Undertale is actually at its core a very sweet and heartfelt kind of game. Uh, Inscription is a scary game. Um, where Inscription and Inscription is really really crazy. It's hard for me to describe because there's twists and turns and I do not want to spoil them um, because there are multiple times in this game where I'm playing it and I went, I thought I had beaten the game and then the game just revealed a new thing. I'm like, what? Oh, there's still 10 more hours in this game? And then you're like, wait. And then it changes shape. It just changes shape multiple times. And you're like, oh, what? What? Like there's multiple moments where I'm like, wait a minute, what? I thought it challenges my assumptions about what the game was um, at its. I, I will, I will give you the, what it starts with. Uh, Cause I think that's an easy pitch. Um, you start with a, a, a menu of a, a game, like a game that would come on a floppy, a floppy disc, like a, yeah. like a quake basically, like yes. maybe a, like a mid nineties era game. And in, you pop it in, you have and you have a menu. There is no option for new game. There's only an option for continue. So, okay, I continue. And then you start off, you're in a cabin. Uh, and so there's the setting of the cabin, and you are a prisoner of a guy who who is in this cabin, and he wants to play a card game with you. So that is one aspect of the game. It's a card game game. It's a game of it's a, a deck builder effectively. You're building a deck and you're challenging this guy with this card game. Then but also you can at any point back away from the table you're playing this card game on and there are 
things in this cabin that you can interact with. It's an escape the room game as well. Like the room series, room one, two, three, four, and the VR game as well, where you're like, oh, it's there's like little puzzles around the room and you can you and you as you play the game, you learn information about them and you can unlock them. And some of them let you play the card game better. Some give you like clues about the world and what's happening in this game. Um, so there, it's a deck builder. It's an escape the room game. Um, it's also kind of like a rogue, a roguelike roguelite, I guess, because you can die. Your character can die. And when your character dies, the guy in the cabin makes you into a card. And then your, that card is in the game on your next playthrough. And the, and the card is your la- the last dead character. <laughs> the guy kills you in some horrible way. There's a lot of other like gruesome stuff. Like you can to help you win games, you can pull your own teeth out. Jesus Christ. And stuff like that. Like and it's like life or death. So yeah, I'm I will pull out my own tooth if it will help me not die. Um but I cannot emphasize that. And like, this is all really fascinating. It's really gripping. It, the, it's so stop is so stylized and, and uh, the, the visuals are so real. So it feels like a real lived in place, this weird little cabin. But then there is another part of this game where you are a person playing the game and you talk occasionally like something will happen in the game and you'll have a the narrator effectively you say what the fuck like you'll you'll get killed in an unfair what feels like an unfair way you'll be like and the guy playing the game you will go what the fuck things like that and then you back out occasionally from the game because the the, the computer you're playing the game on will run out of memory or something and then it reboots and you get menus of of a, a basically a memory card which hold has live action video on it live action video of a youtuber effectively a a, a guy who a card game youtuber the lucky carter and if you look up the lucky carter on youtube he has a channel they really made the channel and his videos and his videos are on there and it starts off very much like you know the the that stereotypical guy in front of a green screen uh, hey, Lucky Carter here. I got eight packs of this card game. I'm going to open them up today and see what rares we get. And then it's slow. He slowly refined, like he finds cards of this old card game of the game you're playing, the video game you're playing. And it you see videos of him finding the game you're playing. And th- and that's just that's the first level. I do not, I'm not going to spoil any more of this because it keeps going. And I, I recommend it. I've, I've beaten it. Uh, it is worth your time. It is a great, great card game. Uh, there's layers to the card game that it, the, the card game itself stays. It, it's, it's basically a through line in this entire game. There's always the card game is always present. There's twists and turns with the card game and how it works, but it's always there. So that part is always present. But the game itself and everything surrounding it, the shell of it, changes drastically at times. Uh, it stays. It, it is throughout the the game, though. It is like this is a horror game. Something is wrong. 
you kind of feel that tension the entire time. You're like, this is something's wrong with this. What's going on? There's always that mystery of like, wait a minute, what's happening? There's like, there's always weird unsettling stuff around it. Uh, this creator, like Pony Island was really interesting, but it wasn't much of a game. Like the gameplay of Pony Island wasn't that much fun. And I kind of quit halfway through because I kind of got bored. This just gri- is just gripping. I could not stop playing. Inscription. Um, the other thing I want to check in is also spooky, Eric. It's also a related thing. It's my next book. <laughs> what Dwells Beneath the Waves. Uh, I've, I've gotten everything back. I've, I'm waiting on Amazon to uh, merge all my things and upload the have the print pre-order available but it is done reticulate all the splines yes it's articulating splines um but it is out there i will have a i have the pre-order for the kindle is up uh most people don't print pre-order the kindle though they pre-order print books so i'm waiting for that to go live but i have been spending obviously a lot of time getting that ready so that's what is this this is number nine this is number nine this is my florida man cultist book the keys congratulations it sounds lovely uh, it is it's a, I, I i it's my it's my uh it's my lovecraft book it's my eldritch mm-hmm. horror book i'm happy with it kissimmee lovecraft keys florida keys lovecraft yeah yeah i mean it's florida but i would have thought maybe you'd go on panhandle i i wanted island i wanted mm-hmm. islands I, that isolation i think is I I like isolation in my books. It's it adds tension. Yeah, that sounds like you, I guess. It does sound like me. I do like I I have a type. Mm. <laughs> I have a type. Hey, Eric, you ready to talk about some sad stuff? <laughs> um I uh, I mean I could I could go for a good cry. Uh, okay. Let's like got to let this crisis event pass. They're really, they're coming let's, really fast. This is not. Uh, I know. Let's give baby what he wants. All right. Hey. I, I'm, okay. Now there, there are literally six crisis events happening in my office right now. Six, six little windows. And I don't. That's a lot. It's a lot of them. Some of them are overlapping. I don't think they're, they like it when they do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. We, we hopefully can move on. Crisis events. Do we have your permission? Hey, can we can we keep on with the show? Keep it moving? Uh, we can move on to our last segment. It's time for Nerbo Book Club. Oh, thank God we got through it. I played the music and <laughs> it let us. Uh, Nerbo Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I sign along or collect to work and discuss in depth like a a book in a book club, except it's a comic book. Uh, we are reading, discussing The Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire graphic novel um that I've, I've read a while ago i might have even gotten it when it was new um in 2012 yeah or was it earlier than that even i mean i think that's about right it was after sweet tooth or in the midst of sweet tooth so yeah i mean the the foreword by da- damon lindelof uh is from 2012 so i presume that's that is correct um underwater welder a i don't know how to I, at its core, it's a very simple story. Mm. Um, the the prologue, or the excuse me, the introduction, not the prologue, uh, describes it as a Twilight Zone episode, which I think encapsulates it pretty well, but also kind of doesn't do it enough good service. Um, 
because it does in a lot of ways it feels like a little twilight zone episode little something small small story but there's it touches on a lot of um really big and beautiful things um it is i think at its heart like a very uh thoughtful and heartfelt story and something that uh i don't know i get emotional reading it and it's it's a lot of those buttons that you know it'll it'll do it for a lot of people you know it's dad stuff and dead parents and dealing with a complicated childhood and complicated adults grief and yeah and and trying to sort your own shit out and our our uh our lead jack is uh a little bit of a mess of his own self you know he's struggling uh i think adapting the idea of being a dad and is doing a thing that a lot of dudes do, you know, using kind of work to run away from those responsibilities. Um, and all, all the while, it's almost like framing this story of how his father died. It was father was in the middle of getting separated from his mother, and his dad dies on Halloween uh, in a diving accident. He was a treasure diver, and then he grew up and became a underwater welder. Yeah, hence the clever name. Yeah, I mean, I I think that a direct and and evocative title is oftentimes the best decision. And I think yeah, the underwater welder is a pretty succinct uh, descriptor. In my mind, um, you know, he, hearing about it, like I always assumed that there were, like it was different, like it wasn't. It wasn't literally about a guy being an underwater welder. I don't know what I thought it was. I thought it was something metaphorical, you know. Um, I like that it is this simpler thing. Um, it's something simple that the feelings that we have in it, you know, the things that we bring to it and the things we take away from it, like that's where the, the depth is, you know. It's it's not like... It... it, it it's the opposite of the stuff that Scott Snyder's been trying to do in all these books we keep getting grumpy at. Um, it's very much like simple story. A couple of events happen. We get in, we get out, and you can reread it and experience all these things. Like it's, it, it is art in that it makes you feel stuff, you know? Um, and it's not just a bunch of fucking words on a page trying to trump itself up and make you think that it's more than it is. I think it's it's impressive. It's confident to do something like that and just release it. Like, I don't even know that Lee Meyer ever expected it to be maybe kind of one of those talked about books as much as it is. It feels, I don't know, it feels personal. I mean, it feels, yeah. but I mean, I think when you touch on subjects like this about parenthood and about mm. um about about grief you it doesn't really matter how personal it is because those th those things are universal everyone has lost someone everyone has a mom or dad and doesn't really matter how good of a person your mom and dad were you still are going to have complicated feelings about them. No matter how much you love them, 
However, you, even if they were great parents, there are still things they're going to leave you um, that you are going to have to think about and dissect and figure out if they're good or bad and ha- or if they're neither, you know, like that comp, like the, the, the confusing and disappointing things that your parents do and the part of growing up and realizing that they were not, not, they're not superheroes. They are just people and trying their best and maybe their best wasn't very good. Um, and, or even that sometimes they failed and you're still here. You know, what do you do now? You, you can't just stop existing because your parents failed you. Um, and I don't know, this feels, I would, I like the, uh, Lindelof in the, in that intro compares it to Twilight Zone. I think, I don't know if you've ever, did you ever watch Amazing Stories as a kid, Eric? I don't know that I even heard of it. Amazing Stories was a, is this, it's a, it's a, a it was only a couple seasons, uh, but it was Steven Spielberg kind of doing anthology stories, doing a television show with 30 minute episodes. And they're all, they're kind of fantastical some of them are scary. Some of them are funny. Like they're, they, they vary dramatically in tone, but they were much kind of, they were ultimately, they were kind of uplifting in the end of the day. They're in, 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 in emotional and endearing in a way that a lot of twilight zone episodes aren't in general. Like twilight zone is great. I love the twilight zone, but there's a lot of twilight zone episodes where you, they just kind of like, eh, like, look at, there's a twist yeah. and it's over. It's not really about, yeah. it's not, there's not like heartfelt stuff in it. It's more like, oh, that's an interesting premise. Or, like, I get it. That's, that's fun. Also, Twilight Zone was in the sixties. Amazing Stories was in the mid eighties. So there's obviously more better effects. There's, you know, there's, it's more evolved storytelling in, in certain ways, but Amazing Stories, this feels more like one of those. It feels like an amazing story. Um, and that's good. I, amazing Stories was very good. I encourage everyone to check them out. Um, to, to give them, there's a couple of them that still live in my head. I watched them as kids and I just, they just, they, there's one with a, a, the World War II uh, fighter pilots um, that I still think about. Uh, and they're cartoonist actually, Eric, that you might like that one just because there's one of the characters on the plane is a cartoonist by trade. He's been drafted and I won't spoil it, but it reminds me of that because this is ultimately is very sad and affecting. And there is, there's, there are like, the story really isn't supernatural, at least mostly not. There are moments here and there that it's it's more it kind of it's magical realism. I think honestly, that's what it feels mm. like to me. It doesn't feel supernatural. It feels like magical realism, where it's no one. It's not like he has. There aren't like a lot of scenes where the guy, the Jack, where he goes, Oh, what is, is this real or not? You know, where he's traveling through time effectively, where he's finding, trying to find this watch. And there's like these moments where he's like, we know that he's blacking out and he's seeing these things and he's having these moments of transcendence and breakthrough with his emotions and his, his feelings about his father. Is that really happening? Or is it just his head going through this stuff? We don't know. The book doesn't say it for sure, either way. And that's why I think I lean towards just magical realism. It's not really like it's not really it doesn't and it doesn't really care. The book doesn't yeah. the book doesn't care. It doesn't because it doesn't definitely matter. definitely open ended enough that you can interpret it either way. Yes. And um, it reminds me of that. It also reminds me. I'm almost positive you haven't seen it. Eraserhead. Have you seen Eraserhead, Eric? 
Of course, I've not seen Eraserhead. It reminds me of David Lynch's Eraserhead. Um, Because Eraserhead is also about fatherhood and about how scary it is. Um, Eraserhead is grimmer uh, and more, like, darker. But it is that still kind of, there's a lot of moments of just, like, emptiness and thought and, like, ominous, kind of ominous feelings of, like, the, and the the fairy, like, someone trying to escape. Jack's trying to, like, you see him retreat to Mm. his work. He's retreating, going back underwater. Um, where it, also it's in black and white. It is in black and white, much like this. Yes, I'm very good at this. You are very good at this. Um, I mean, I'm very smart. I'm not going to say it doesn't. That's not part of it. I think it does evoke that mm. the black and white. It is sparse. There's no color, so it, yeah, it 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 feels a little bit plainer on purpose you know it feels like here you there is less is it a starkness yeah there's less in the way there's no there's no uh colors infiltrating um infiltrating on jeff lehmeyer's ugly ugly people they are um mm, they're almost like lego people or something you know like bionicles or some shit they don't ever look quite like humans they have a weird action figure quality to them. But I think we've said this with every single book we've ever read with Jeff Lee Meyer that he's drawn. It works. Yeah. Yeah, most certainly. I, I don't know what it is. Like, it, it is not beautiful art. And then, like, the, you mentioned Scott Snyder, and, like, you look at those books, like the Francis Manipal book. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Um, but I don't feel an ounce even a shred of the feeling mm. that this book evokes for me. Um, that this, that, that this, these grotesque figures basically make me feel. Um, I think part of it is that like the people he portrays are like, it's, they're like small town people. They're not, they're, you're not supposed to think of them. They're not models. You know, they're not action heroes. Like, I think that's a part of it. When, I see Batman and he looks ugly. It unless it's like Frank Miller, you're like, why? Why does Batman look so ugly? You know. <laughs> but when I, he's not. He's a superhero. You know, they're 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 beautiful. Um, but when I read this, they're like, oh, it's small town Nova Scotia. Um, his dad's like a drunk. Um, they're not. You're not really expecting beautiful people. You're expecting. The, the ugliness is kind of transcendent in a way. It it makes it feel real, I think, because they are they're they're they are so weird looking. They're those like you said, Lego people or whatever. Mm. Um, I don't know. His poor. It 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 really it it breaks your heart. The 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 scenes with his dad and him trying to navigate trying to navigate what his dad was and what that means for him. Yeah. And how, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the, it, it does def- definitely feel, I don't know if this feels like a father and son book, you know, and specifically, and as a son, as all men are sons to their father, it feels like that is it. it I don't know. I feel like I am of the age where it is hitting me. Like, I am so much a product of my father, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And you read this and you're like, I, I get it. Like, I don't yeah. like, and I think there's one thing that has changed since the first time I read this. I feel like I 
both like and dislike Jack more than I did before. And I don't know how to explain that. It's weird. Mm. It's weird. I, 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 it, it is, I feel like there, my, the first time I read this, I have this memory of like, I wanted so badly for Jack to understand what was happening. Like I, I was really involved in the mystery of like, what is that? What is with his pocket watch? I'm, yeah. I was, I was tell, I like, I could remember like, Oh yes, Jack needs to go down below. Yes, Jack do it. Go down below. And this time I felt more like I was like, no, Jack, stay with your wife. Stay with her. Stay. She's stay stay with her. Don't go. And I feel like that's a. As I was thinking about it, it feels like it's just like a. It is a statement on me as an older person. I think as we mature, we value very different things. Yeah. Um, and it it makes sense, you know. The young man values. Uh, let's find out. Let's find the thing. Let's do the thing. And I think partly it's the reason why it is so many. It's so easy for young men to uh, do what Jack's doing and run away from responsibility or even like, oh, the thing is kind of scary. You know, he's not admitting it to himself as much. And, and, and it sounds like like I was just sort of flipping through the pages and he says he was always trying to be on the rig on the 31st. So it sounds like it's a it's a motif for him. Let's use work to run away from things. So I don't know, it makes a lot of sense. It might even have been what Lee Meyer was going for, you know, that it is it's such a motif in his life. He is a prolific creator. Mm. No doubt about that. I can think of I can think of people that that um I can think of some prolific people I would prefer to have less from. I mean, both writing and drawing um, by Jeff Lee Meyer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and obviously both when he usually, he, I don't think he's ever drawn someone else's writing. I want to say, I think he's always only drawn yeah. for his own, his own work. And I think that's part of like, it's kind of part of the joy of this as it feels more like a diary comic. It almost feels like one of those, um, what would you call it? Um, one of the autobiograph autobiographical comic. Like, you could tell me that this was drawn by the person who's the main character, you know? And it, it'd have to be, like, a lot of um, self-insert of some kind of feelings in here. Like, it's just it's just that kind of honesty. Um, but this is, I think it's part of what makes it work and also part of like, what's so strange about it. Um, really interesting and singular. I can't think of too much else that's like it. And I, I mean, in a lot of comics should strive to be like this, you know, it's character and trying to say something about I mean, it's pretentious to say the human condition, but it's trying to make a statement in the way that a lot of good art should. Not every piece of art has to be like this, but I mean, damn, good, good for good for you, Jeff. I mean, it, it, something that's so simple and in it, but in like in a lot of different ways, it's it's simple in its construction. It's relatively simple in its storytelling. Um, 
it manages to speak to universal feelings, you know? And I think the best art is that. The best art is something that can speak to anyone and make them understand and make them feel. Um, because this book is very deeply melancholy, but ultimately optimistic, ultimately positive. Um, because Jack does... He does the he 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 goes to the lengths he needs to ultimately gets over his his problems he he comes back to his his wife and their child and is a father himself and 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 doesn't doesn't retreat from it runs towards it at the end um and that that is that's why I called it like that's why I referenced amazing stories because amazing stories usually ended with like a very positive uplifting mm. feeling at the end versus twilight zone which are n- usually yeah. you know. it could be anywhere it could be happy it could be more than likely very depressing he also solves or at least he also finds the watch yes whatever i mean and maybe that's i don't know maybe that's really key i don't know that it is terribly important um for him to at least now i look at the story I would have been perfectly happy with him not having the watch in his hand at the end. Do you think you would have not appreciated it? I think it's, Um, I think it's, I I don't think I would necessarily, I I think I respect that decision because it feels like that is the thing that's, I think there's a thin line here where like it, that there's a a few things that separate this from being a strict autobiographical comic. I think that is a, that is a character choice, you know, there where Jack, has a totem has a, a symbol for his father. Um, and to be fair, like I don't necessarily find it like a, like, I don't think that it's necessarily a, uh, um, a fault that he, he wants to have that watch. Cause I feel like it is a fairly good representation of what his father was. The watch, his own father calls it a piece of junk. <laughs> it's a piece of junk. That was underwater for God years, and won't run. It it was it wasn't worth any anything to begin with. It solely had value because his own father gave it to him or let him have it, and then went to go find it for him again after he threw it because he his father failed him again. And I think that is as good enough a representation representation of him coming to terms with what his father was and the fact that he can that he has room in his life, a room in his head for the fact that he misses his father. He loved his dad, but his dad was not necessarily a good father. Certainly failed him multiple times. And that both those things can be true. And it does not also necessarily tell, make Jack mean that he's going to be a bad father, which I think that fear is certainly implied that he won't be able to he that he will become his father again. He will fail his own his own son, which his his wife is repeatedly like I know it's going to be a boy. You know, and and that's that is also clear intent by by Liam Meyer. You know, like oh, he's setting up Jack to have a son that he will also fail like his father failed him. And I feel like it is that that watch is a good representative of yeah, it's a piece of junk, but it's his. Like his father was a piece of junk and it, but it was his. Um it's not a beautiful watch. It's not a good watch, but it's important that he found it. Um, 
if there was ever a sequel, I imagine he would give it to his son. Or or maybe to throw it in the ocean. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I don't know that it's really necessary for him to find it. You know, obviously it is I think maybe to an extent you have to leave behind. And finding the watch, it's significant that he's sort of solving, coming to the end of what his mission was. You know, I think it says something different if he abandoned looking for it to go back to his uh, wife and child. Yeah. Subtly different. Yeah. I mean, I think there is also... And my, my, th- my thought is the Robbie that read this before that was looking at this, like, I want to know the mystery. Yeah. Does, does he care very much if he doesn't find the watch? Is he upset if it's not there at the end? If he doesn't actually find the MacGuffin? I think... I think the old Robbie would have thought that he probably would have been satisfied well enough because there is mm-hmm. closure still, but mm-hmm. that, that MacGuffin is important. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, there's a part of me that even, I don't know necessarily this is even textual, but there's a part of me that wonders if that watch is even there. Yeah. Like maybe that's the watch. Like, there's a lot of things that happen only in Jack's head. And I think, yeah. I wonder if, and, and I, I, that is absolutely no, there's zero text. But if you think about it, like what are the chances of him finding after de- like what a decade or something, decades of that watch being in the ocean, the ocean waters move so much like him, that one, like what are the odds of him finding it and finding it in that one spot, you know? kind of very infinitesimal um and then you know all obviously there's all this 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 these memories and this alternate reality that he enters and these met that are intermeshed like multiple times are all happening concurrently is that watch real did he actually find the watch or did he just think he found the watch because he needed to that's the beauty of this you know that's the that is speaks lee meyer as a storyteller as a as a writer um Mm. And that there is that the room for interpretation. Let's that's here. I, I like you wanted to say speak, speaks about humanity, Eric. Here that 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 is why I would define this as literature. Yeah. In that there is interpretation. There is that we can have this discussion about. It's not just a silly piece of genre fiction. No. As much as I like silly pieces of genre fiction. Yes, and there's certainly genre and th- fiction, and think that they can be amazing art, even. Yes. There's there's genre fiction that is also literature, but. That is, this is one of those times where I don't think it's pretentious to call it literature, um, because that's that that is that that that, that, that there's value in the, the discussion and the, the the fact that there is no necessarily right answer. That speaking of genre fiction, this is just a weird tidbit. Did you know Agatha Christie has sold more books worldwide than anyone? Yep, I do know that. That is such a strange, like I didn't seem correct to me. Anyway. <laughs> Genre fiction, baby. She knows who Agatha Christie knew what she was doing. She was, she was, she she inherited that legacy of like Charles Dickens, basically. Hmm. Be like the most popular person, most popular writer on earth for a long time, and then that went to like Stephen King. Now it's probably like James Patterson or something. Um, this book's beautiful. Yeah. Highly recommended. Uh, 
I mean, really good. It, 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 it's touching. It's affecting. It is heartbreaking and heartwarming in turn. Um, hey, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire is pretty good at this, Eric. Yeah. He's pretty good at this. This whole comic book thing. He knows what he's doing. He's a real good guy. I'm, I'm ready for that new book he's doing to be finished. I'll take whatever I can get from him, frankly. Yeah, I think it'll be quite a while. Frankensteinly. I mean, it is Halloween. It is Halloween. Anything else you want to add, Eric? Am I keeping you up? Uh, no, I just don't. I don't have anything more to say other than to repeat myself. Um. Yeah, I don't have anything to say. Um, dad stuff, man. Mm-hmm. It'll fuck you. It'll fuck you up. Heavy dad stuff. Mm-hmm. This like uh, what was it, God Country? It's another heavy dad yeah. stuff book. That I mean, dad stuff. Dad stuff books always work on on us on us boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire. Um, next time on Nerdbook Book Club. Okay. We need to call an exterminator or something. Well, I think it knew. I think it knows what we're doing. Or, okay. I think it knows that now for issue for episode three hundred. Okay. I think it understands, it, or at least it wants to. Maybe it wants to be sure that it, that we are following through. Mm. I guess the it's crisis. Been che- it's been checking on us. The crisis events are really like. I think it's just it reminding, reminding, reminding. It knows it's coming. For big episode three hundred, we are reading Crisis on Infinite Earths the DC crossover event from 1985 and 1986, which I have never read. I have never read it either. Um, we're not quite sure when this episode is going to be yet. Uh, it will be a special one that we, I can be clear on that. It'll be special. Mm. We maybe expect some crossover crisis events of our own. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to get our ducks in a row. Probably, what do you th- say, a month, Eric? You think that's enough? I'd say that should definitely get the job done. Yeah. I think that's, that will, we'll, we're going to, we're going to play it safe. Give ourselves a good lead up. Yeah. Um, and look, looking for a, a big old supersized episode 300. 300 episode spectacular as the crisis on infinite Earths title on the issue one says first issue spectacular. And that will what the uh, episode three hundred will be. There may potentially be a crisis event occurring. Maybe it seems likely now. Goddamn crisis events won't shut the fuck up. They're they really they're really pushy. Just want to uh, just really want to assert themselves. Very pushy. Mm-hmm. Um. What, what do I? Okay. So that's next time. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Marv Wolfman, George Perez. Be talking about that. Read along. Read. You should probably read it. You know, like you do for our book club thing. As one must. As one must. Um, that'll do it for us. Um, what do I say? What do I do, Eric? I say, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Eric, Hour. have some money. I love you so much. I don't. I do that on Patreon, technically. I guess that's also true. I do that. Um, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Uh, find all of our stuff there. Uh, links and, and social media. I am Robbie Dorman. I'm on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. My website is RobbieDorman.com. has links to everything I do online, including my newest novel, 
What Dwells Beneath the Waves, which is coming out uh, November 22nd. Yes, November 22nd. Uh, my good elevator blender pitch for it is uh, Florida Man Eldritch Horrors in the Keys. I don't have a good one yet. I'm going to work on it. By the next time, next time, I mean, I think that's that's some pretty good high points. Yeah, that's that's effectively what we're getting. Um, yeah, but you can go pre-order it right now on Amazon. I'll have a probably a more established pitch for by the time by the time I, that episode. Our I mean, next just, episode comes out, just, out, so. just end it with meets Game of Thrones, and then you'll be a, you'll have a Netflix show. I'll spontaneously be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but that's the, go to my website. It's there. You don't even have to worry about all that stuff. You, my book's great. I read it. I wrote it. It's great. Read it. Go buy it. Go pre-order it right mm. now. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? What a super swell question. You can see my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com. You can see the other things I get up to at ericzgoodnight.com. That includes all my social media, uh, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, uh, where I'm known on these services as Easy Goodnight. And we'll, with that, we will call it a... Okay. Oh my god, shut up. It's really... I'm, I'm like... Alright, back to Winnipeg. We're almost there. It's, I'm like... yeah. I might just turn this car around. We'll go read Watchmen again. Ah. <laughs> uh. I guess stay tuned <laughs> no. for episode 300. Yeah, stay tuned. That's unless unless Robbie turns this podcast around. <laughs> turns this podcast. We're going to go backwards, okay? We're going to start going working our way back to episode one. We're going to redo yeah. everything again. Um, <laughs> be fair, we would probably do all of them way better now. We probably would. We, so, turns Especially up. if we started at one again. <laughs> that, that episode of us reading Scott Pilgrim was pretty bad. I don't I don't uh, I don't listen to my old podcasts, Eric, because uh I don't I don't live in the past is what I tell myself. That's right. I only listen to my podcasts from the future. <laughs> I do. They're great. <laughs> don't Yeah, I know. What was I saying? Oh, I was trying to outro before that I was so illuridly interrupted by the crisis event. Uh I say that'll do it for us today. Have a good one. Rock and roll. <laughs>